Hey, church family, uh, Pastor Daniel here with another Fireside Chat. And uh, joining me today is Elder Don Van Sickle. Elder Don, say hi. Hello. Uh, I wanted to start this Fireside Chat asking you to, uh, if you remember the first time we met. The first time we met. I yeah. do remember the first time we met. It was at Logan's. Yep. And it was a steakhouse. And there were a couple other pastors there. It was you and another pastor and me and a, an elder right. from two different churches. Right. We were sitting down to get to know each other. I, I think we met super briefly at the Nile. We did. For like a few moments. Right. I stand corrected. The very first time you were preaching at the Nile and we snuck in. That's right. That's right. And the same other elder and I snuck in on a Sunday. You were preaching. And did a phenomenal job, and we introduced ourselves I afterwards. About. I remember you talked about felt uh, in Sunday school class, where you put the felt thing <laughs> the on felt the, board. The felt board. <laughs> I, I do remember that. You talked about your family and uh, uh, having lost a child, and you just talked about the gospel was clearly presented at the end. I just remember that, but yeah. Hmm. And it was the summertime. It was well, July. I, I didn't know you guys at all, and I didn't know you were there until post-service. Right. So, yeah, I had no idea. But then we sat down for lunch. Yeah. That's right. It was after that that we sat down. Yeah. Very cool. Well, now we've known each other for six years. Yeah. Yeah. What a ride. Yeah. Man. A lot's happened in six years. A lot has happened yeah. in six years. Yeah. Goodness. Well, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, our cultural values that are church, uh, you and I and the other elders spent uh, a good bit of time at a retreat, and uh, we didn't plan. I don't know if you remember this, but we did not plan to do anything with the church values or rewrite them or anything at all. We got up at that retreat, and I mean, across the board, I'm still thinking about all the couches, across the couches, everyone's like, "We we have to redo these, you know? And so we did. Spent a lot of time working on this, and we came up with kind of a statement about why we want values and, and kind of what we want our church to be about at a very broad level. And then we, we use the values to kind of define that. And it says this, it says, our cultural values tell you what we prioritize over everything else. Values should inform and shape decision-making and methodology in a church. They tell us what we will say yes to and what we will decline to pursue. Our values are a combination of things that currently describe our church culture, as well as things we aspire to accomplish for the glory of God. Below, you will find the same set of values restated three ways. So we just kind of talk about uh, our our values. And then we, we have this statement. This is our big one, right? Our goal is to worship God and work faithfully at the things Jesus left for us to do, becoming more like him in the process. As a church, we believe that doing this together will produce the following things that we call, and this is in quotations, gospel culture. Gospel culture. That's kind of like, I think the the key phrase or key term in that whole little introductory statement that we then build our values off of. And so um, I thought I would just uh, have you kind of speak into why that opening statement of, of being growing in worshipers and getting Jesus stuff, you know, the things done and, and growing in, in gospel culture. Why Why is this worthy to be at the center of Res Church? So why should we build a church around that? How about that? Oh yeah, that's a great question. So I think we can just 
as followers of Christ, we just react to what happens to us on a regular basis, or we can be a part of a culture that's proactive and making decisions on how, how do we want to be as a church? Mm-hmm. What are our values? How do we make decisions? And how do we go moving forward? Mm-hmm. And rooted in the great commandment and the great commission is an excellent place to start because that's what we're called to do. These, I love these it. two things. Yeah. I, uh, we, we've both listened to some of the same podcasts and preachers and read some of the same books. And, you know, I, I have been just uh, so, Im- so significantly impacted by this idea of not just having a gospel culture that is a set of doctrines, mm-hmm. uh, a set of, of good theology, which I, good theology matters. It really matters. But a gospel culture that's felt when you walk in the door. Yeah. You know, a gospel culture that is palpable. Mm-hmm. That's, if you can think of that, right? Yeah. Um, like you could cut it with a knife. Yeah. And... um it it's it, it it would that wakes me up at night. That will wake me up in the morning. I'll fall asleep thinking about that. Right. Uh, what does it look like for me? And what does it look like in the church? And um, I don't think I don't think most of the notable examples. Maybe they get criticism in the news and in the even Christian circles have hit the mark. Right. And yet I open up the Bible and I feel like it's non-negotiable. Right. Um, There's a lot of other things that are probably still important, but that gospel culture, Mm -hmm. that you're able to live that out and produce it, seems like there's nothing more important. Right. Now, of course, that, you know, we even say it in the statement, it's, it's learning how to worship, be better worshipers leads to that. So it's not about making that our God. It's, it's almost like that's the, the, the output, the outpouring of becoming a better worshiper is that this is happening. And yet, um, for as much as we try to define it, I think there's, there's still angst for me. Oh, yeah. Are we? <laughs> you know, is this happening? Um, I read something today that was talking about, uh, I'm, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but the statement was is so <clears throat> profound that uh, I'm probably not going to be able to forget it. And it said this, it said that, that we have to be, live out the gospel in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives and the author called that gospel alignment. Mm. And I went, oh, because what they're saying is in our minds, intellectually, with our theology, with what we believe about God, with what we believe about other people, we have to, we have to live out the gospel. In our hearts, our, own, our desires have to change such that it matches the gospel. And then in our, in our life, the way we actually live it out, mm-hmm still matters, you know, because yeah. it's like, it's not enough to have one. It's not enough to have two. All three have to be aligned and living out the gospel. Or otherwise, I think we would be, we would say you're out of step with the gospel. I mean, yeah. uh, literally what Paul tells Peter, you're out of step with the gospel. Yeah. And I, I think uh, at any point where we're not preaching the gospel to ourselves on a regular basis daily, then 
we allow ourselves to start thinking that we're the ones that are behind this, that it's about us. Mm. It's about, we forget, we soon become very prideful or just total depravity takes mm. place when we forget to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves and living out the gospel every day of our lives. And it's not about what we've done, but it's what he's done. And what are we going to do through him? Well, and, and like, when when I think about preaching the gospel, and I preach, I mean, I get I, I get to this point preach more than, I I think I get to preach more than anyone else in our church. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, but I preach the gospel to myself a lot more often than I preach it to the church. Mm-hmm. Because I need it when I wake up and I need it when I take a break and I need it uh, in my downtime and I need it in my stressful time and I need it in my work time and I need it when I go to bed. I mean, like, there's no point where I don't need to to think about and be consumed with the gospel. And I, I, I think if that's a foreign concept, you're headed down a really dangerous path. Yeah. And I think morality can safeguard you for a little while. But I don't think it can sustain you. And I don't think it can empower you. Right. It can protect you. Mm -hmm. But that's about it. And and not forever. If that makes sense. Right. Um, How do you live this out? How How do you, Don Van Sickle, grow in gospel culture? I think it has to do with, as I said, preaching the gospel to myself. And, and if somebody, there's a diagnostic question uh, that's been around for a while, but it's like if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? Uh, if you start out answering that question in the first person, you're you're messing up right away. Explain okay. that. Okay, Explain so that. it should be in the third person. If you start out saying, I'm a really good person or uh I, I'm in the word daily or I've accepted Christ or I am an elder or I this or I that. That's not going to work. It starts out with Christ, what Christ has done, the finished work on the cross that redeems us, that empowers us, that puts the Holy Spirit in us to do the work that he's called us to do. It's mm. good. Yeah. I think that there are these... These, these spiritual fruit that are defined in the Bible. And I think a lot of, for me, trying to figure out if I'm growing in the gospel is assessing how much I really want them. Mm. It's not if I'm doing them. Right. How much do I want them? And only I can answer that. You know, right. I mean, like other people can say, oh, I think you're growing in this. And that's, that's a good thing to hear. I mean, yeah. Especially when it's positive and not negative, you know. I think yeah. you're not growing in this, but, um, but only I can only only between God and I can I talk about how much I desire something that is not really of the flesh, right? And um, not in platitudes, not in false stuff that I'm I'm saying publicly for for any reason. But only I can go, man. I I really want to be more patient with people. I really want to to show more empathy and kindness. Yeah. And um, it's my growing desire for those things that to me is a litmus test 
that the Spirit's actually doing work. Now, it's nice to hear other people see spiritual fruit in you. Yes. Right? I mean, that feels good. Right. Right. Um, you know, Don, uh, from from five, six years ago, not in the first couple of meetings by any means, um, but but within the first few elder meetings, one of the things that I recognized um, that doesn't exist anymore uh, in your life was how um, shell-shocked you were from the last 10 years of ministry as an elder. Yeah. I mean, you just tell, right? Yeah. You're talking to somebody yeah. like, man, this guy's taking some lumps, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you can, you could feel, yeah. we, we would have these conversations, Mark and I and, and, and Russ would go sit yeah. down and go, gosh, these guys have been beaten up, man. Yeah. Um, but I don't ever hear that. Right. And it's not like you haven't been through more difficulty in the last six years. Right. So think about what has to have changed in your life and how much work the spirit has to have done that all that's gone. Kind of the, um, I'm trying to think of a good word for it. Angst isn't the right word. It's more like um, um, exhaustion. Yeah. That's all gone. Yeah. But the trials didn't go away. Yeah. The difficulty didn't go away. Right. It's still there. We just went through a crazy season yeah. with probably more conflict than there was. Yeah. And but, yet, like I what I what I experience when I get to sit with you, um, whether it's a Sunday, whether it's an elder meeting, whether it's a podcast, is joy and gratitude, excitement. Mm -hmm. What happened, Don? Well, it's it's interesting that all those things that we went through in those years was preparing us for what God had prepared for us. And and there's no way that we could have gone through this last season without having gone through that season prior to it. Right. Where but oddly enough, it didn't have a lot to do with elder stuff. It was just administrative stuff. It was uh hiring and positions filled and budgets and it wasn't about being a part of a gospel culture. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about loving God and loving others and being in community and making disciples. It was just about the next, the tyranny of the urgent, the next thing that had to be done in order to stay in business as a church. You know, that's uh, totally the wrong focus for reaching souls and empowering people and equipping people and doing what we're truly called to do as elders. Mm. Well, um, through whatever series of circumstances that um, have been impactful, the thing I want you to take away from that is that it is noticeable that the Spirit has done great work in your life. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I, I would be one of many that would say the same thing about you, Daniel, in the last few years. It's a good I, thing. Yeah, it's your, the, uh, the empathy, the, uh, the gentleness, the caring and the compassion for people as you are tasked with, you know, helping lead a church as one of the lead pastors, the preaching pastors, and just a big responsibility, it would be it would be difficult to be as effective as you are if you if there hadn't been a heart change that everybody has noticed in the last few years. Probably impossible. <laughs> yeah. Probably impossible. Yeah. A church family, we hope you um, have been encouraged by this. We're going to continue over the course of this year to talk through our cultural values and uh, and just sit down with your elders and uh, get to hear their testimony and their perspective as we continue to pry apart and just take time 
soaking in these values and what we find to be important and, and, and are putting at the center of the culture of our church. So until next time, Lord bless.